from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Welcome to 99.9 The Fan. In the afternoon, I'm Chris Lee. That is my guy, Dennis Jamel Cox. Boy, we have so much to talk about right now because Mm -hmm. Game 3, like, what? Here, Dennis, I was doing something yesterday afternoon. Okay. I couldn't watch the game live, all right? And then I was driving back to the Triangle, and as the game ended, I got an alert on my cell phone Uh on what the final score was. Yeah. And my reaction is not something I can – show over the FCC waves. No, like, you can't I, I can't, say it I can't repeat it. I can't show it. There's nothing. Like it's it's what happened. The Canes lost 8 to 4 to the New Jersey Devils yesterday. And it was a weird game. It was a weird game in the sense of okay, for we'll get into this a little bit later on, but to me all these matinee game times on weekends always have just the weirdest play in terms it's in terms stuff. of just the Canes had four goals. We'll get into that in a moment. But you had three shorthanded goals, including one of them on a penalty shot. If I would have told you, Chris, the Canes were going to score four goals, three of them shorthanded, plus one of them being a penalty shot, one of those shorthanded goals, you probably would have thought, okay, Canes won. Yeah. Right? They're up three to nothing right now. Yeah, you would think that. But it also goes to show you how the bounces sometimes just, just don't go your way. Martin Natchez in the very beginning of the game, early part of the game, with 0-0, zero, zero. drills one right off the crossbar, right. square, yeah. square off the crossbar. Yeah. If that is a, it was a beautiful center, shot. it was a centimeter down. That's bar down and in, and yeah. you know, you know, what the Devils are thinking, here we go, here we go again, here we go again. One of the Canes th- are feeling good, but then you know what? That that bounce didn't go its way. And if you look back at Game Two on Friday night, Dougie Hamilton on that early power play chance for the New Jersey Devils, they had a five on three opportunity. They didn't score. Dougie rings the crossbar. For the New Jersey Devils. Imagine if that had happened. Like how much different game two could have gone. Yeah. So that just goes to show you some of these small bounces. Jack Hughes on the second goal. Stefan Nason's in good position. It goes off the blade of his stick, but still just within reach of Jack Hughes, and he's able to score. So there's just a bunch of little small moments where they got a little bit of quote unquote puck luck to the New Jersey Devils. Kane's got a little bit of that early on, and they took off with it in game two. And that's what we saw yesterday for the New Jersey Devils. They got a little puck luck. Early on, and they took advantage of it and ran with it. Adam Gold was just in here. We were talking to him as we were kind of changing the show over. Mm-hmm. And Line one change. of the things he said, everything, all the goals, all eight goals that were scored against the Hurricanes, mm-hmm. all eight goals, yeah, my gosh, uh, were all avoidable. You can hear him more on the best of the Adam Gold show. Be sure to tune in wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to it there uh, to hear what he had to say about the game. But they were all avoidable. And to have eight Goal scored against you, and the Canes scored for themselves. That means all of the goalies who played yesterday were bad, were mm-hmm. horrible. The two for the Carolina Hurricanes played horribly, and also Vanacek played horribly. It's just that yeah. his defense helped him out a little bit more than the Canes' defense helped out their two goalies. Well, I guess where you could say their offense helped out a little bit more yeah, in that that's, regard. that's very true. So it, it, yesterday was just a, 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 a freaky game. So you mentioned Adam Gold. Here's Adam Gold host of the Adam Gold Show, and also host of the Canes Corner Podcast, available by wherever you get your podcasts, brought to you by the Aluminum Company in North Carolina. Here is Two Minutes with Adam Gold. All right, lads. I have two minutes, thanks to our friends at Dysar Willis, defending people the right way, for a very entertaining way to lose 8-4 to four in a playoff game. 
first of all, the Hurricanes, they were not good. They were sloppy. There was some effort problems on some of the Devils' goals. But ultimately, this game could have gone a very different way if this doesn't hit the crossbar. Good play there by Burns, throwing it off the boards for Natchez, and he rings it off the crossbar. That might have been right where the post and crossbar met. That was wired up high. Martin Natchez with a great pass from Brent Burns. As you heard, he banked it off the wall outside of Natchez, and he led him perfectly. It was a dynamite pass. If that shot goes, it might be a completely different story. But after that, it was a gong show. Timo Meyer scored. Jack Hughes scored. Michael McLeod shorthanded. That was the real problem. That was the only bad goal Freddie Anderson allowed. Then the Hurricanes allowed the first goal. 53 seconds into the second period, it was 4-0. Not even three shorthanded goals could save Carolina. But you know what happened in this game? Carolina got angry in this game, and it was fun. Now we got a scrum as Hughes is throwing punches at the side of the net. And Aho. Yeah, that's Sebastian Ajo and Jack Hughes going at it. That's right, two superstars going at it on the ice. It was more wrestling than a fight. This, however, this was a fight. And the linesmen are going to let him go. This is old school. Nason and Hollum. Nason trying to get a reach. A little Greco-Roman wrestling. Now Nason with a left. Hollum misses. Now a right from Nason. Another right from Nason. He's got Hollum on the ice. And Nason with three or four rights. And now the linesmen step in. Oh, boy. A Hurricanes villain in Eric Hala. He just got tuned by Steph Nason. Well, it's a fight as far as the Hurricanes are concerned. Steph and Nason probably won the fight with our friend Eric Hala. But again, good playoff moments. And if you're going to lose 8-4, it might as well be entertaining. Now we will see how Carolina responds in Game 4 because the messiness that led to a 4-0 deficit, that can't happen again. I think the Hurricanes are in a pretty good spot. I don't think Vitek Vanacek was great for the Devils. I think Carolina can score some goals, but I do think that we're going to see our first low-scoring game of the series coming up on Tuesday. But should be fun either way. And I got two minutes for my friends at Dysart Willis, high-stakes litigation and defense, DysartWillis.com. Go team. It's two minutes with Adam Gold right there as he uh, perfectly described what happened yeah. in that game. And also the Canes still scored four goals, as we mentioned earlier, three of them being shorthanded chances. Um, again, Dennis, if, if we were told beforehand, yeah, you're going to score four goals, three of them uh-huh. being shorthanded. I would have thought, okay, so the Canes won six to nothing. Yeah. Six to one. At least five, three. <laughs> That's worse. I should say it's wild. Five, three, but it was just one of those odd games where they had great moments. Like Adam mentioned. It was actually nice to see him kind of get a little angry. Like they, they took it personally, I guess, for lack of a better term, Yeah, how everything went. But, yeah, the fact you saw Aho and Jack Hughes going at it, they had a little wrestling match, a little scuffle, yeah. and then Stefan Nason, Mike Miniscalco perfectly described it with Eric Halla, old school style, two dudes squaring up um, after, uh, or sorry, after Eric Halla knocked down, cross-checked uh, Seth Jarvis from behind away from the puck. So good on Nason stepping in there. I was like, you know what? Tired of this crap. This game yeah. stinks. Yeah. We're going to throw down. And and Holla, I'll give him credit. He answered the bell, even though he took a few shots from Stephen Nason. Good on good on him. Um, I'm not I'm not <laughs> mad. But it's still just one game. And offensively, we're going to ask Casey Hints about this. We'll talk to Walt Ruff at four o'clock. We'll talk to Casey Hints at three thirty, who's up there in Newark. Yeah, Kane still scored four. 
Last time I checked, they scored five goals, six goals, and four goals in this series. 15 goals in three games for a team that was struggling offensively late in the season, for a team that struggled to score against the New York Islanders, right? 15 goals in three games, if I'm correct, Chris? Still a good thing, though. That's still pretty good. Still and guess good. what? You're still up 2-1 to one in the series. It's one, still just one game. As Dennis said, we'll be talking to uh, WRL's Casey Hentz at 3.30. Then we'll also talk to Hurricanes reporter uh, Walt Ruff. Uh, he's with the team, and he's, we'll be speaking with him at 4 o'clock. So a lot to go down with. And also, we'll talk about this later on. This yep. coming week will also be rookie minicamp for the Carolina Panthers, our mm-hmm. first chance to see Bryce Young in an actual practice with the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk more about the Panthers later on in the show. Five years ago today, Rob Brindamore was introduced as the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. Great decision. Yeah, we see that now. Five straight trips to the playoffs, best in franchise history. Three straight division titles, best in franchise history. Mm-hmm. And two of the best overall point seasons in franchise history have all come in the last five years. In a place where, you know, I guess hockey, people were wondering if hockey could even survive here. Mm-hmm. Years ago, 30 years ago, right? Now you have one of the hottest hockey towns in the nation. One yeah. of the loudest arenas that, that the are The loudest. Here. I'm sorry, the loudest, Chris. The loudest, okay. The loudest. I don't, I don't want to take that away from PNC Arena. Uh, but it shows, like, how well, if you make a few good decisions – how well everything else kind of just falls in place. So, again, five years ago today, Rob Brindamore was introduced as the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. And here's also something about team success on the ice as well, not only just trips to the playoffs. The only franchise in the NHL, this includes the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have won multiple Stanley Cups in this time frame, to have won a playoff series in each of the last five years. The only NHL franchise to do it. Only one. Shout-outs to the Kings. Exactly. So, here's the thing. Yes, they've only got to the Easter Conference Finals one time. All right? They have yet to get to the Stanley Cup Finals in this five-year stretch. But that doesn't mean the team has been a failure. Sometimes we we only equate overall team success to just winning a Stanley Cup, which I get. That's the ultimate goal. But that doesn't mean it's been a failure for the franchise because they haven't won a Stanley Cup. You can look at a lot of teams who have had, quote-unquote, great franchises, great teams, great players, who haven't had that sustained success over the last five seasons. You just haven't seen it. I mean, look at just what can happen in a season. Yeah. You could be the best team in the NHL, hello, Boston Bruins, and not get past and the get first bounced. round. And get bounced. Of the, of the Stanley they Cup They haven't playoffs. gotten past the first round in the last two seasons. Right. Because remember, they lost to the Canes. To the Canes. Last season. Mm-hmm. Here is Rob Brindamore from five years ago at his introductory press conference after he was named head coach of the Canes. Obviously, you got to start by thanking the Carolina Hurricanes and, and obviously Tom and Don for – I guess trusting me with this huge responsibility and one that I'm obviously up for, um, you know, responsibility to, in my opinion, kind of take their vision and their plan and push it forward with the team and the organization. And um, I know it's a huge opportunity, a huge challenge, but uh, one that I feel real confident that uh, I can do. You see how light and clear he sounds right there? Yeah. That's before he got stressed out when he was a head coach. Oh, yeah. Because now when he talks to us, he mumbles, and he's like, he talks to us like that now. A little bit. But but I, I get it, though. I mean, he, he's got a lot on his plate. But, mm-hmm. man, like the, the sound in his voice, the tone in his voice, completely different five years You're also later. shouting from the bench and things like that a lot, too. Yeah. yeah it just it yeah. kind of it, it wears on your on your vocal cords a little bit. But when we look down the road in Charlotte, for example, so Tom Dundon's been here for the 
for five plus seasons, five full seasons. Yes. Look down the road in Charlotte, where we see the Hornets and the Panthers. Okay. Michael Jordan has been the principal owner of the Hornets since 2010. Yeah. Now he's looking to sell the team. David Tepper took over basically over the last five seasons, roughly around the same time that Tom Dundon took over for the Carolina Hurricanes. So roughly same time frame. And you see what bad decisions do just right down the road. When you make a couple bad ones, look at the long-term ramifications of, one, trying to find the right quarterback Yeah, and how terrible that has gone. Well, you've used up – 10 draft picks and one of your top offensive players to still try and figure out who that one guy is on their I'll count Steve, Steve Wilkes as a head coach. Now you're on your fourth head coach because you started off with Ron Rivera. I understand that Perry fuel is an interim head coach for just a couple of weeks, but you went from that to to Matt rule. And then five weeks into the season last year, six weeks, whatever it was, you fired him and Steve Wilkes coached the coach the rest of the way. Now you're back. Now you're on to Frank Reich. So it just kind of goes to show you the long-term ramifications of getting things wrong and constantly having to reset. It's amazing how a team like the Carolina Hurricanes, who had 10 straight seasons of losing, yeah. not making the playoffs. Yeah, there's a couple times we're like, ah, just to point out, right? Just almost right there, but still didn't make it. And the Carolina Panthers, who just a few years before Tepper took owner ownership, was in the was in the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. So it just goes to show you again a couple of one one bad decision here or there a one great decision here and there can just take you far away and then the Hornets stink. I think if you were to put like a board up, if we were to put up a board, yeah. and show the three professional teams in the state of North Carolina from the major sports, yeah, the that four are major from sports, the four major sports, the three professional teams from that, the Panthers, the the Hurricanes, and the Hornets. The Hurricanes have been. Just a top-notch organization, top to bottom, yeah, over the last five years. A lot of it has to do with the head coach, as you mentioned. Now, there have been some small mistakes here and there. Small but, mistakes here and there. But the core of it but has been so good. for the most part. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? No. So, but then if you look at the Panthers. The Panthers, I would say, it hasn't been as bad as we think it has, mm-hmm. as people would picture or, or paint it to be. Uh, the head coach has a lot to do with that, so it's it felt really bad mm-hmm. because when Ron Rivera got fired, and then of course you bring in Matt Rule, who shouldn't have had the job in the first place. But one thing we can't take from Matt Rule, he helped build a pretty good roster when everybody else. He left. did make some really I mean, good. Matt Rule. He left, did make some good draft. Matt choices. Rule left uh, Frank Reich a pretty good roster. We can't take that away from him. But then you look at the Hornets. Mm. It's been bad GM decisions, which has led to bad head coaching decisions. I think James Borrego was a fine coach, but wasn't given the proper resources, yeah. players, to make it really happen. Because think about it from this perspective. You take somebody like Devontae Graham from Raleigh, wasn't supposed to be at Kansas, ends up at Kansas, mm-hmm. and then really wasn't looked at as an NBA prospect. Drafted in the second round. Usually a lot of second rounders end up either getting cut, going overseas, or something. They send him to Greensboro for a year. All of a sudden, Devontae Graham is second year in the NBA. Explodes. Has a really good year. Yeah. And then the Hornets have a tough decision. Man, you're going to be worth a lot more money than what we're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. So then he has to go sign a bigger contract for the uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. So a lot of the good – the Hornets have had a lot of great players. Yeah. And they're playing better elsewhere. Like Bismack Biombo, horrible with the, with the Hornets. Playing great with the Suns. Dick Batum. Nick Batum played horrible yeah. towards the end. Has a great role with the Clippers. You know what I'm saying? We just talked about Devontae Graham and all these others. It's it, it Mason Plumley 
mm-hmm. with the with the Clippers. It's it's interesting how that happens in like the Hornets are at the low of the low, but probably the franchise that everybody wants to win the most. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think the state is better when we have winning basketball in general. I would say. And Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all, is the one who owns the team, and they can't get out their own way. No, they can't. And here's here's something that kind of threw me off was, yes, there was a couple years where they went to the to the NBA play-in round, right? They didn't qualify, I guess, for exactly for the postseason or, or for the, you know, I guess be one of the final eight teams in the Eastern Conference. Those games didn't go well, but. Yeah, James Borrego, they won 44 games and still had a chance to make the playoffs in a really tough Eastern Conference and gets canned. Yeah. And then you go back to Steve Clifford and how'd that work out? Oh, wait, it didn't. <laughs> now, it didn't hurt that LaMelo Ball was hurt, but the, the the roster decisions overall with Michael Jordan's tenure, especially the last five years, yeah, LaMelo Ball was an easy decision to make, right? I think everyone could have made that choice when he was sitting there in the number three overall pick just a couple years ago, but... Some of the draft picks and everything just haven't worked out, but you mentioned a moment ago how things worked out for, and to an extent, with some of the roster decisions that Matt Rule made. Got to give him credit because Derek Brown's been a really good player. Jamie Chin's been a really, really good player. Brady Christensen ended up being a starting offensive lineman in his second year. J.C. Horn, when he plays, is one of the best corners in the NFL Yeah, when he plays, but that's something a little bit out of, of a coach's control sometimes. You can only control that to an extent. So there are some really good players that were taken by Matt Rule and were signed to the team during his time. But nevertheless, overall, Carolina, the draft picks that they've made that have worked out, obviously Sebastian Ajo, Martin Nages, yes. Svechnikov. Yes. Um, you look at during the time as well, but this is actually before um this is actually before that time, before Tom Dundon, but Slavin and Pesci were draft picks. Actually, Ajo was actually picked before Tom Dundon took ownership of the team. But Overall, the team was built from the inside out. And and one thing I have to give a, a lot of credit to Tom Dundon for is that Rob Burnamore was an assistant under Bill Peters. Yeah. He was an assistant on that bench for a long, long time. Dundon easily could have gone and been like, everyone get out. Getting my own guy. I'm getting my own dudes. We're starting from the beginning. But Rob Burnamore said, I want to be the coach of this team. Not just I want to be a coach in the NHL. I want to coach the Carolina Hurricanes. That mattered, and, it, and you show you show that how his dedication to this team. I think if Rod, when he's done coaching the Hurricanes, isn't going to coach anywhere else. I just don't see that happening. No, yeah, I just don't, I don't see, see it happening. Happen but either. it goes to show you again that Dundon, even with amongst all the bad that the Hurricanes had, still found the good with Rob Brindamore as that coach. I want to go back to something really quick with the Hornets because okay. the Steve Clifford. Yes, you brought him back, but you only brought him back because. Kenny Atkinson bailed on you. Bailed on you. Yeah. It was a little bit of that NC State stuff for for the Hornets, right? Oh, my right? gosh, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you get a coach who currently is one of the assistants uh, for the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. won a championship last year, so you're thinking, okay, we're going to get somebody who's coached a big-time point guard, who's won a lot, right, Steph Curry, and we're going to bring in Kenny Atkinson, and he's going to coach LaMelo Ball and maybe give him some of that. And it all looked good for about three days there until Kenny Atkinson said, nah, never mind. I'm good. Never never put ink to paper. So um, that was one of the things that probably put the Hornets back a little bit, and they had to yeah. go back and call their old boo. Hey, hey, Steve Clifford, what you doing right now? Uh, <laughs> nothing? Yeah, come coaches for a little Still bit. Still need a date to the prom. <laughs>